Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Scouts podcast, episode number 22, coming at you on Wednesday, July 28th. I am your host, Chad Workman, joined by Matt Nine, Andrew Woodruff, and of course, Sam Ehrman. Sam, you want to go ahead and tell us about this promotion that we're running in August before we get started today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, thanks for being here. I mean, obviously, you guys, whoever's listening to this, probably here for a reason. Um, If you don't know, August 1st, we're launching our promo, whatever you want to call it, where you get our Patreon for the month free. Um, I think this is incredible value. I mean, you're getting basically all of our work, um, all the databases and all the inside information with all camp and everything, all that crap for free. Um, Just try us out. You know, I mean, like I believe in our content and we got a great discord, very active, uh, you know, and so many different things uh, within the Patreon that you don't even see in with in season content. Um, I mean, exclusive articles and DFS articles and stuff like that. But, you know, August 1st, it's free. Try it. Um, all you have to do is when you sign up, take a screenshot of like your confirmation email and just DM me with your whatever your PayPal or Cash App or whatever it is. And I'll send your money right back. I mean, it's really that simple. And if you don't like it, you don't have to renew. I mean, like we just want people to try our product because it's like something we believe in. Um, you know, we've got a lot of work into it. And we all we've ever gotten is positive feedback. Um, and, you know, we want a larger audience and we're hoping that you, know, you guys come and try us out. I mean, it's it's in three. I think when this goes live, this podcast will be live. It'll be going the promotion will be going live in three days. August 1st is right when the peak of camp starts heating up. And that's when I mean, the Patreon is going to be on fire. Um, Discord's always hot this time of year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just try it out. Try us out. Come hang out for a month. Let us know what you think. And if you don't like it, you don't have to stick around. I, I mean, you probably will stick around. I mean, we, we tend to think we got good stuff and we got a great group of guys, but there's no harm, no foul, and that's what we want. Yeah, pretty self-explanatory there. Uh, don't miss out on this opportunity. It's a good one. Uh, but with that, today we are going to dig into the AFC South, talk about wait, wait, the- wait, 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 breaking news, breaking news. Dolphins cornerback Xavier Howard has, re- Howard has requested a trade he wants out. Just now. Yeah, okay. just now. Look at that. Just coming off the wire. What? Just coming off the wire. I love when that happens when we're I recording. mean, literally, like, yeah, I mean, like, who's in the market for a cornerback? And who has that kind of money? Because he, he wants a huge upgrade after seeing what some of the guys got paid. Houston. Yeah, the Houston Texans. Oh, yeah. Together. A little package with Tua and Howard, eh? Um, Texan, we are going to talk about the Texans today, but, um, yeah, be interesting to monitor Howard there, but, um, today's show, we're going to bring it to you guys a little bit differently than we have in the past. Uh, we're always working to, to bring you the best content possible. And we want to be a little bit more organic with our conversations and really just kind of talk football between two of us. So what we're going to do is we're going to break down each team, two guys per team, go back and forth, just talk football, um, you know, inspire some debates, talk about, you know, their expectations for the offense and really just go back and forth. So please uh, let us know what you think after you listen to this episode. We think um, it's going to, like I said, just kind of encourage a little bit more organic conversation and we're excited about it. So hit us up on Twitter, DM any one of us, let us know what you think, give us some feedback, because again, we, we do this we do this because we love it, but we also do it to bring you the best content possible. And we think this is a good way to do it, but we would like your feedback. So um, with that, let's get into the AFC South. First team on the docket today is going to be the Indianapolis Colts. Obviously, uh, Carson Wentz looking to bounce back there. ADP of QB 22. You got the the stud, the mega stud, Jonathan Taylor. Michael Pittman going all the way as wide receiver 44. I know you got some stuff to say about that, Matt. Uh, Paris Campbell all the way at 62. And T.Y. Hilton going as wide receiver 77. Kind of an interesting offense. A lot hinges on Carson Wentz. So, Let's uh let's start with you, Sam. It's gonna be you and Matt here on the Colts. What do you what do you got well, for us on the Colts, Sam? 
So, so I think the first thing Matt and I should talk about is uh, Michael Pittman. And I say that because this past week on Twitter has just been so weird. I'm, with the things that are people people are coming up to say with like how they don't like. I mean, like I, I read like a 30-minute thread the other day where it's like all the reasons I don't like Michael Pittman. And none of it was like information. It was just charts, cherry-picked stats to try to explain like why he wasn't a good prospect. But then like in the same thing, he talked about like, how my, or T. Higgins' height and size and draft capital mattered way more than Michael Pittman's because Coach Reich and them missed on DK Metcalf. I I don't I mean it, I know it, we're reaching like it peak. doesn't make any sense. No, I mean like we're reaching peak like oh my god it's about time football is here season and there are some pretty scary taste, takes going on out there. Um, I feel like there was just this flow of pro Michael Pittman Jr. information, and then there's always somebody that has to disagree because that's just the way it, the way it works. And there's been this massive overreaction. And to reference the same thread you were talking about, at one point he even said that he possesses the alpha stud traits that you want, like true legit X's. And I I think he was wide receiver forty last month, and now he's forty four, so he's dropped four spots. And once you get to, what is that, the 8th, ninth, 10th round, there's a wide receiver left on the board. I mean, who's going in his range? It's guys like Terrace Marshall, Rondell Moore. Like, nobody in his range possesses the same upside. So that's exactly what you look for at that spot. Well, I think Terrace Marshall could. But, I mean, that's a totally different conversation. Um, we'll see. Like, But that I guess the question is, like, if Paris Campbell's healthy, we've only seen him, like, with a few games. I guess the question people have is, how much role, like how much work does he get? Because he can play. I mean, like, do, what happened? I mean, there, there's a real possibility that Paris Campbell could end up as like the leading scorer in Indianapolis. I mean, like, if that happens, do we assume like Michael Pittman just busted? I, no. No, because because I think back because everybody's like, oh, you know, Frank Reich likes to rotate his receivers, and I, I just don't know if that's true. I think the last three years. Yes, we've seen a Frank Reich offense, so to speak, but a lot of it has been influenced by Sirianni. I think we have to go back to Frank Reich without Sirianni in Philadelphia to see what a Frank Reich offense looks like. And in his offense, he has a premier slot receiver, Jordan Matthews, his first two years in the league. I believe he finishes the top 24 wide receiver both times. And then he had Alshon Jeffrey on the outside. So he had a premier X and a premier slot guy. So I think Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell can both have a really good year. I just think that this year um, with the Colts offense and, and this will probably transition to Carson Wentz a little bit. I think it's going to be a Carson Wentz coach Reich offense. I think it's going to be very similar to what you saw in Philadelphia. I mean, like he knows what works for Carson Wentz. I'm sure he basically went up and picked up like that 2017 playbook, brought it over and goes, Absolutely. all right, what do you want in here? Yep. Um, and we know, I mean, like if that's the case, which I mean, you can assume it will be, um, he fed Alphon, Alshon Jeffrey for how many years? I mean, like, he profiles exactly the same. I mean, like, the, so, I don't know. I mean, I just think people get enamored with speed sometimes. Like, oh, my God, like, this guy's 5'9 and runs a 4'240, so he's going to be a star. But, like, don't acknowledge any other traits. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like we're, like I said like earlier, like, we're just at that point of the season. And there's – there's also the other argument too that goes along with that is you know Carson Wentz has never you know, he's only ever supported one top 24 wide receiver and that was really Alshon Jeffrey and and maybe Jordan Matthews I think that was the year that he missed a lot of or, or something like that but in his defense he supported two top 10 tight ends and Zach Ertz like all the targets were going to the tight ends in that offense they were not going to the wide receivers like do we honestly think Carson Wentz is going to feature Mo Ali Cox for 155 targets or something like that? Absolutely not. So this Colts offense is going to go through the wide receivers. Well, no, it's going to go through Jonathan Taylor. You would assume. I mean, yeah, like, uh, as far as well, the pass game. Yeah. Well, uh, well, I guess okay, so. Like, obviously, J- JT's the one. Um, and, and early, I mean, take this for what it's worth. Initial early reports, Marlon Mack looks good. So I mean, I don't think. Marlon Max, like people have just like crossed him out like he's dead. And I, he's gonna, like, I, I don't think he'll have enough work to be fantasy relevant, but I think you're still gonna see Marlon Mack on the field. I mean, probably more than you want. Um, and maybe Naeem Hines. I mean, like, 
what are we doing with – I mean, like Marlon Mack, I wouldn't go, you know, like don't in redraft league save the spot barring an injury and then like, you know, make sure he looks good and, and regular season work. But, I mean, if you're in a PPR league, I mean, like I don't – I haven't done too much research on Naeem Hines, but, um, I mean, like you have to go back and look at what Carson Wentz had done with some of his receiving backs – um, and, and understand that maybe there's some upside there along with JT and it's possible that JB, JT disappoints. I mean, I, I don't think, I mean, I think he's that guy, but I don't think he will. I mean, but it's possible. I mean, it's there always was, possible when anytime you're drafting a guy in the first round, I guess. There was a blurb today um, that he Himes in a quote either before or after practice might've been yesterday that they've installed some plays where he's lined up in the slot and they got some more downfield shots for him. He's been working on his downfield route running. So I wonder in order to preserve the health of Paris Campbell, that yeah. we see a lot of Naheem Hines kind of, I wonder if they split their role. And then we do they, see the Jonathan Taylor and Hines on the field at the same time. And to your Mac point, I, I think he sees he like back up. Yeah, yeah, I think he sees just like 60 touches. I think he's a mentor. He's a backup. He's, he'll get he's a little a, bit. If he's healthy and he's the same, he's a really good running back. But he's not Jonathan. He's, he's not the game changer right. that JT is. And right. I mean, like, JT is like the guy you want there. Um, and then, you know, like you bring up an interesting point. And I think that's just a way to keep Naeem Hines on the field because he's a really good football player. Yep. But you don't want to take him on the – put him on the field and take JT off. Um, and I guess, honestly, like it's a good situation to have um, with when you're talking about skilled positions, and especially, I mean, somewhere where you've drafted them that well. I mean, the Colts do a good job drafting and, and they really do. Yeah, I will say this, too, for those of you listening that are like, oh, they're going to be run heavy. They may not be. They were very pass heavy in Philadelphia. The Colts do not have the same concern about letting Carson Wentz sling it that fantasy Twitter does. There's a, there's a lot of this, oh, because Carson Wentz was bad last year, they're, they're just going to be a very run-heavy team. They're going to keep him you know, in a box and stuff like that. And that's just not the case. As Sam always says, you got to project forward. This is not going to be the same Carson Wentz of last year. I think they'll, they'll probably start slow. I would bet they come out like week one, week two, maybe even week three, and probably you know tote the ball 30 times. Um, and I say to kind of get – get things going you want to establish the run early in the year um you know so I, I would imagine they come out really early um and it'll be something you have to watch later is the volume with Carson Wentz um I think people forget that Carson Wentz can run um he's a good athlete um I mean he's he's not like an he's he's not this Jared Goff sit in the pocket and if the ball's not there you know he's going to get you negative points I mean he'll get you positive yeah. points so just you're hoping that he can fix himself and he looks like he looks good. He looks like he's happy, and I think he'll play well. Um, and I mean, I'm I'm excited. I'm a Colts fan. I mean, like I grew up a Colts fan. I'm from Indiana. I live in Indiana right now. Um, so I'm, I'm a little biased, but I mean, a Colts and Rams fan. But you know, it is what it is. Um, I mean, I think with the Colts, there's a lot of upside, and I think to start probably a lot of risk, and you should be weary. But if that offense gets humming. That could be one of the best offenses in the league. It easily could. And with that, would be agree. a lot of fantasy points. Uh, for those of you in best ball, and I know you've seen me tweet it out, and I forget TJ Hernandez tweeted it out, I think is his name. Um, he tweeted out that the Colts are projected to be one of the top five high scoring offenses in the league this year. So take that for what it's worth. I mean, but think about it. Like, I mean, like you have the former number two overall pick who was a former MVP candidate with his coach who made him such. You've got a guy who could easily supplant, supplant himself as the top five running back in the league. A guy who's six foot four, 200 and I don't know how much Michael Pittman weighs. 223. Um, 223 with the 34th overall pick of last year's draft. Yeah. T.Y. Hilton and, uh, you know, a dynamic slot receiver in Paris Kibble. I mean, like, and don't forget, you know, one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. There are all of the tools with the right coaching staff to make it happen. And I know that people struggle to see teams bounce back from when you do last. I mean, like the Colts were 11 and five last year, I think. Um, they were a playoff team, but they like they, sometimes they were hard to watch because Phillip Rivers really struggled. Um, you know, and I think they could be even better next yep. year. And with that, I mean, you know, 
you could be looking at potentially a QB one and RB one. I don't want to say if I don't, and maybe See, I'm, I'm not maybe getting, a I'm wide not, receiver one. I'm not getting crazy with Michael Pittman. I feel like people are taking my article and my love for him out of context. I'm projecting well, him as, yeah, as a, as a back end wide receiver too. Like I don't, he has a, he has upside of like a high end wide receiver too. I mean, he could actually yeah. sniff like top fifteen. Um, but that's the thing is like when you go on Twitter and you grow a following and you plant your flag on a guy, it doesn't matter how good or how bad that guy is for the rest of the years. Anytime a piece of news is dropped with his name, people will always at you. And you are, I I am associated with Ronald Jones, Amari Rogers, Brian Edwards on Twitter. Like it's like anything happens with those guys, like good or bad, I'm going to hear about it. And that's how it's going to be with Matt with Michael Pittman. Yep. And at some point it's the same with Jalen. You just, it was last year with Claypool and Deontay and, season rolls around you just believe in your research and you let the players play and whatever happens happens so yeah i'm glad you guys brought up kind of those positional values and kind of where you see them finishing because that's that's what i was going to get to and and i mean even a back-end wide receiver too if, if that's what Pittman is he's going as wide receiver 44 which is kind of insane but um regardless i think um that pretty much does it for the Colts, unless there's anything specific you wanted to um, mention, Andrew. Otherwise, we can move on to the Texans. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I'll say, thinking back with Wentz and his time at the Eagles, y'all mentioned the uh, tight tight ends were targeted a lot. Uh, is Mo Alley Cox or Jack Doyle worth a shot this year to y'all? No, but Kylan Granson is. Uh, a little bit like uh, Michael Pittman last year, Frank Reich, his guy this year in this year's draft was Kylan Granson. Um, I would compare him to Trey Burton, who wasn't used exactly correctly in Philadelphia, but Kylan Granson is not really a good pass blocking tight end, but he's a very good receiving tight end. So I also think he could get some some work in the slot. He's more of a stash than, than like a 2021, like I need this guy. Yeah, that's definitely a good name to monitor though in dynasty especially if you have a you know you have a taxi squad um all right andrew let's you and i jump on the the houston texans uh not the most exciting offense to project and unfortunately we kind of have to look at this with or without watson obviously we don't know how it's going to play out uh but watson is currently going as qb 13 i believe um, you know, whether you want to take the shot on him there or not, let's talk about this offense with and without uh, Deshaun Watson. For me, the one player that, that really stands out in terms of, you know, immediate value this year is Brandon Cooks. Uh, he's going as wide receiver 42. And while you don't want to get too excited about any of these skill position players with the Texans you know if there's one guy that has a chance to really smash his ADP it's probably Brandon Cooks um Nico Collins obviously going as wide receiver 71 profiles as an alpha uh but just in terms of uh immediate impact this year I do think Brandon Cooks could be a value there I mean in five out of seven years he's been in the 11 to 1200 yard range with five to nine touchdowns um, outside of his rookie year and one year with the Rams where he missed a few games. So he's really been, you know, he's not a guy I've ever really truly been that excited about, but at that ADP, I think he, he could be a, a good value for kind of a win now team. How do you see that Andrew? Yeah. I mean, you, you hit a lot of the good points with cooks, but it kind of shows he breaks that mold for uh, receivers that jump teams consistently. And you always expected that, uh, value to go down because most receivers when they swap over they're going to have decreased production but cooks he's just super consistent he knows how to work himself open get open uh he's been able to looks like to avoid most of the injuries recently which is fantastic for him as just overall health wise um if he's going to receiver 42 like he could definitely be the focal feature the best point of this texans offense because unfortunately it is probably going to be one of the worst ones across the league I don't expect to see a lot of league winners having a bunch of these pieces. So Cooks, definitely, if he's going to receive 42, uh, I got his ADP right here at 124. So, I mean, 
that's a guy in the double digit rounds that you could be valuing and going for. And he's in solid receiver three with receiver two upside. Um, and you mentioned Collins. You said Collins was uh, receiver 72. I have him. Yeah. At DLF, I have him going as wide receiver 71. Yeah. I mean, that's fantastic. When you've looked at his profile, of course we have to factor in conditions. A lot of people didn't like it because he was at Michigan and for your college people, the running theme is if you're a skilled player, don't go to Michigan because you've pretty much ruined your career getting drafted. And, and again, he still had great, well, he had pretty good draft capital. Uh, he's going late, very late, obviously, for the people wanting to stash him. And the profile from what I remember and I've heard y'all talk about is he looks similar to the Chase Claypool last year, that big athletic freak that can know how to get open. Now, I don't think he's going to be able to work as well, unfortunately, this year. But that kind of ties back into our quarterback situation. Tyrod Taylor just – he's just not a guy that's going to consistently keep players moving when it comes to receiving. He's more of a just barely managed the game, doing a lot with his legs. So, overall, where do you see Tyrod Taylor going to be this year? Uh, first, I just want to hit Nico Collins back real quick. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned <clears throat> kind of the Chase Claypool quality, 6'4", 215. His arm length is in the 96th percentile. All of his metrics are great. Breakout age, college yards perception, college dominator and college target share are the two areas that you can knock him on. And, you know, maybe that can be explained by the Michigan factor, like you mentioned. Um, yeah, so not have a quarterback in Michigan. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, outside of the that kind of elite, tier of rookie wide receivers you know after you get through that group nico collins has as good a chance of anybody to to hit but um in terms of tyrod taylor i mean the rushing upside definitely helps um he's probably a guy i'm interested in in like a a super flex two quarterback league just just for like to have basically because you need those guys and he has some upside with his rushing uh but he's not a guy I'm ever going to want to start. So preferably I, I choose to avoid him. And I do think they're going to turn to Davis Mills at some point, if it is just Tyrod and Davis Mills, I think at some point they got to see what they got in Mills because they're headed for a very high draft pick. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, uh, it's so tough to say, but I, I, I don't think he finishes above like QB 30 Tyrod just because he's only going to play half the season and even then you know how good is he outside of his his rushing upside yeah i mean it's it's not a lot and that's what i was thinking too uh he's more one of those guys kind of like you said almost a bi-week filler your top two guys are down out both in the same week you just had to get somebody i mean his adp has got to be ridiculously low uh i mean i could imagine he going outside the top 30 on quarterbacks right now so the upside makes sense to just get you by, but he's one of those, honestly, if somebody offers me a third, I'm probably taking it, going to smile and be happy. Davis Mills, that was a, that was a good name that you brought up. Uh, that was actually their first pick this year and round all the way back in round three. And it's interesting because he did not, did not have a consistent career because of injuries holding him back. But going, going into college, uh, he was actually ranked right there into his class is like, I believe the number three quarterback overall. So the upsides there, I just don't know if he's going to get a good chance because that offensive line's looking a little bit rough and it's didn't get a whole lot better going forward with this year. Uh, surprisingly, it was fifth in run blocking this past year, but it was 19th in pass blocking. They added three kind of back end names and free agency, but then they lost their center. They lost their left guard and the right guard. So we could have definitely see that front side protection going down very quickly. And this guy just going to kind of be the scapegoat going into their first overall pick next year, most likely. Yeah. That's a really good point on the offensive line and the fact that he could, he could become the scapegoat for sure. And I, I think that's my fear with him. If you, if you roster like, I think he's as good a bet as any, you know, of the kind of later round QB types um, in terms of the rookies, just to roster and see what you have. But, you know, once he gets the job and starts playing, I'd probably just try to flip him because there's not a great chance that he's going to 
be the starter next year unless he just really shows out and shows something special. But you mentioned the run blocking for this offensive line. And I want to talk about the running backs real quick uh, before we finish with the, finish the Texans here. And I, David Johnson is going as RB 49, Philip Lindsay going as RB 56. Obviously they have Mark Ingram and Rex Burkhead on the roster as well. And it's kind of just like an ugly situation, just like this whole offense. But I found it, I, I learned that David Johnson actually finished as the RB 21 last year, which was better than I had thought. He had 691 rushing yards and six touchdowns, but he also had 33 receptions for 314 yards and two touchdowns. And that was only in 11 and a quarter games. He got hurt early on in one of his games. So he only played 12, but really just 11 games. He produced a top 10 fantasy outing in 33% of his games, which was ninth best and was outside the top 30 just once. So David Johnson was actually pretty decent last year. And I keep thinking and hearing people say like, Lindsay's the guy to own. And I mean, with Lindsay, I followed Lindsay for a long time being in Denver and he's a gamer. He's, I would not be surprised if he looks better than people expect and becomes fantasy viable, but David Johnson is at, he, does he still have some left? Like, and I'm surprised by these receiving stats and that's an area where Lindsay does not excel is receiving. So if this mm -hmm. is a team that's losing a lot and they're in a lot of passing situations, I mean, are we thinking, can David Johnson finish around RB 21 again? Or is that just like just squashed with the way this offense is headed? Uh, if this offense takes a step back, I don't think we're going to see you running back 21, but I mean, you bring up really good points. He's the first running back being drafted all the way back at 49, but still the first one for the team. Um, it seems like most NFL fantasy players have done pretty good figuring out who is the starting running back and taking them first. I believe I heard a stat a couple of days ago on a different podcast saying about 60% of the time, the first guy taken in ADP is normally your typical starter for the year. And they typically outproduce everybody else on the team. So if David Johnson's going that late, I could definitely see him being – probably somewhere between running back 25 and 30. And the reason being is because you, you brought it up perfectly. He's going to get the volume. Like he's going to get most of the touches. I feel like, because I just, I don't see Ingram want to do a whole lot. Lindsay's I feel like going to be the backup, help him spell him. You already mentioned it. Lindsay's not as good a pass catcher and whoever the quarterback is, they're going to need a quick release type option. So David Johnson's shown he can do that before I've have a, expectation they're going to flare him out a couple times give him a couple passes so he could definitely be that guy if you need your deeper leagues 14 16 team leagues he could be a sneaky option that could start working his way up into the flex yeah I agree with everything you said I, that's kind of how I view him and I mean not that I'm getting excited about David Johnson but RB 49 like if you're a contender you know in a startup you grab him late just for some running back depth I don't hate that and everybody talks about how crowded their running back room is with Johnson, Lindsay, Ingram, Burkhead, but like how relevant are those guys? Like you said, Ingram exactly. and Burkhead are like, they're not going to be factors. So I think well, it's really I mean, between Johnson and Lindsay. You get to bring up the point of, Oh, David Johnson's old. So right. like, if you're seriously a contender and you, maybe you lost Cam Akers. No, David Johnson, you going to replace it, but you can probably offer a 22 third and be like, look, this is about your only opportunity. You're ever going to sell this guy. Right. You could potentially get him that way yeah completely agree i think uh we're complete in agreement there um tight ends this team doesn't have much jordan akins i guess I are you interested in him at all i'm not interested in any jordan yeah. akins uh warring or even brevin jordan brevin jordan i had high hopes for him it looked pretty decent in college because he was a focal point in miami but he tested poorly and draft capital just kind of killed it. And he just absolutely died on our tight end metric because just he's a player to avoid. So tight end as a whole position, I would look elsewhere if you're in a tight end premium league or two tight end leagues. Um, I was just about to wrap up the Houston Texans here, but it sounds like we have some breaking news, Matt. What's uh, what's coming across the wire? Yeah. So this is uh, some actually really sad ish breaking news, potentially bad breaking news. Uh, a cannabis company is suing Julio Jones and Roddy White for uh, fraud and money laundering. So that is official, oh, wow. official documents have been filed. And uh, Julio Jones is now under investigation for money laundering. So that is a situation to watch for sure. Wow. That's uh, obviously a very, very serious issue. Oh, and 
timing because you guys are getting ready to talk about the Titans. Yeah, I was just going to say they're they're coming up. Uh, we're going to talk about the Jags first. So let's talk about them and then um, – Oh, is the day yeah. The Jags are next, and then I do have. I want to emphasize Andrew's point yeah. real quick on Davis Mills. Um, Davis Mills does have the upside, and there is a chance that he could have been a top two QB in next year's draft had he had stayed and played another year. So he does have the talent, but as Andrew alluded to, the chances aren't great since we're already in the NFL, and it's just even harder now. So just quick follow-up question before we move on. But if you say he's, you know, he gets thrown in there, he starts a game and looks pretty good. Are you hanging on to him in a dynasty league or are you just flipping him? Cause I think I'm flipping him. I think it would be cost dependent. Like if somebody like, yeah. like, cause I remember I saw some trades last year where Jake Lutton started and people were throwing in like the two Oh one, like the one twelves, like, and wow. I was like, yeah, I'll take that with Davis mm-hmm. Mills. I have a little bit more confidence in, because I have watched some tape. He's very, very smart. And he's actually his one, his honestly, his best trait is throwing with anticipation. Like he's very good at understanding where his receivers are. So if he plays really well, for me personally, I might hold just because he has that that skill set. Like with J- a guy like Jake Lutton, you're like, I'm hoping he gets a start so I can flip him. Yeah, totally. And I know you talked about Mills prior to the NFL draft, even. So um that makes sense all right let's talk about the jacksonville jaguars a team that i'm kind of excited to talk about uh you and i can handle this one matt i well i'll just say dj shark going as wide receiver 36 lavisca chenault going as wide receiver 33 two of the really interesting and intriguing players on this offense but you've also got travis Etienne going as rb 18 james robinson going as rb 29 uh i'll let you start us off matt what do you what do you got here? What do you want to go with this? We can just start with Trevor Lawrence, I think. I, okay. I think, I mean, first overall pick, I think this is going to be a very pass-friendly offense. They're going to throw the ball a lot. So I think Trevor Lawrence probably has a good year. And I think one of his more underrated traits is, is his athleticism. I think he might actually be able to sneak in, you know, on some bootlegs or something like that, two or three, maybe even four rushing touchdowns this year. So there is a little bit of that upside as well. Yeah, that's a good point because you talk about, you know, Trey Lance and Justin Fields and their athleticism. And of course, they're probably, especially Lance, you know, they're a little more mobile maybe, but Lawrence does have some sneaky upside on the ground. But Lawrence is going as QB7. Uh, you still got Russell Wilson, Joe Burrow, uh, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts going after him. I know you'd would I assume you'd take Hertz, but I don't know. I guess is QB seven fair for Lawrence, or how do you? Is this for twenty twenty one? Well, this is a dynasty ADP on DLF, but I think I have Lawrence at either eight or nine in dynasty. So yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I think that's where he starts for twenty twenty one. I'm not entirely sure he finishes as QB seven. He probably right. like the QB twelve to fourteen range. He definitely could finish as a QB seven. That's that's possible, but yeah, for dynasty, I think I think that's a fair spot. It's only I think it's only going to go up. So as you're out here buying Trevor Lawrence today and next week, like we're buying him at a low point right now. Yeah, I just double checked, and you and I both have him at QB nine, so we're we're pretty consistent on him. But I think that's that's a good point. He's only going to go up, I would assume, um, unless Urban Meyer just steers this ship into the ground. But uh, let's hope that's that doesn't happen. I hope that doesn't happen because there's two wide receivers um, that we definitely need to talk about. And you and I have both talked a lot about Visca, um, but I guess I have a lot to say. And I've, I've already talked about Visca a lot on one of our podcasts. So I just want to ask you, I guess, generally, who do you want for this year? And what do you think of these two long-term? Obviously, Sharks a free agent after this season, but what is your kind of perception of them for this year and beyond? Man, I have no idea. I feel like I go back and forth every day on who the wide receiver one is. And then I saw a report today from John Shipley, who's pretty pretty trustworthy, who said that Marvin Jones might actually be the wide receiver one right now. Um, not to say that Shark or Visco can't pass him, but you know he's the he's the vet in the room for the most part. And I, I will say though, it does hurt Visca a little bit that the new coaching staff came in because they're getting to look at DJ Shark through a new light because neither of these guys were part of their regime. Both of them were picked under the Doug Marone regime. So I like Shark a lot. I always have. Um, He profiles like physically, like stature wise uh, to 
DeAndre Hopkins. And he even has some DeAndre Hopkins-esque type of highlights. Like he makes some ridiculous type catches. Um, he's very good in space. He's very good at getting downfield. Uh, he can create separation easily. He's just a very big athletic freak. And then you got Visca, who I was listening to, I believe it's Josh Larkey's podcast today. And he said Visca is basically just a faster A.J. Brown for all practical purposes, which I also agree with. So Visca in his own right is a very good receiver. So I really don't know who the wide receiver one is. I mean, you got two guys with all world talent and it's, yeah, I don't know. I feel like we're going to get to week one. It's like, Oh, you got 11 targets and you got five or something like that. Yeah. I think that's, that's, (laughs) that's very true. I I find it interesting because AJ Brown is Visca's most comparable on player profiler. So that's interesting, but I think where I stand, first of all, I'm a little worried about Marvin Jones being there for this year, just because I could totally see it being like those three all have like relatively similar numbers and nobody truly is like the alpha of this team. But if you're projecting long-term, I mean, it's Visca, right? He, I, in my eyes, he checks all the boxes of a breakout. He has the excellent athletic and college profiler, the early breakout age. He, we, we talked about it before we came on here and he was slept on going into the draft because at his combine, he ran with an injury and he's even faster than he showed at the combine. He's on an up and coming offense with a potentially elite QB. And it's an ambiguous wide receiver room that doesn't have a dominant number one. And that's usually when we see the breakout is when there's not one truly dominant number one. And I think as much as I like shark, I do think you're right about, you know, what you said about him, but I don't think he's been as good as people think. Like I had a friend telling me a little while back that shark had like two really good seasons. That's not true. He had a season in which he had, 1,008 yards and eight touchdowns. That was two years ago. Mm -hmm. Then he had 706 and five last year. That's really it. He had 174 his rookie year. Visca went for 605 in his rookie year. So I don't think Shark's been quite as good as people like pretend. Well, I mean, Shark did have the sophomore year breakout. He went from next to nothing to over a thousand yards over the course of, you know, eight months. So that's a plus. And then last year we look at it and we're like, you know, he played with three different quarterbacks and I, a lot of stuff has come out about him that I found really interesting. So I don't want to say something incorrectly, but he does deal with a form of depression, like a mental disease of sorts. And there were times last year, and I'm pretty sure I even saw this in an interview here that he just checked out. Like he just wasn't excited to play football, probably in part because the offense was so bad. He just, the balls were getting thrown his direction, but they were either woefully underthrown or just so far overthrown. He just wasn't having fun. So I think a lot of that, you know, Urban Meyer getting him checked back in mentally, he's put on, what was it? Eight pounds of muscle or something like that. You know, he challenged him shark, you know, met those challenges. So, I mean, if, yeah, again, like I, I just don't know who the wide receiver one is because they're both so good. And then, you know, uh, going back to Josh Larkey's podcast, you know, he was saying that, which I agree with completely, that LaVisca is one of the most volatile wide receivers in fantasy right now. He has a floor that starts with Cordell Patterson and a ceiling that goes to one of the best wide receivers of all time, potentially. Like, he's just that gifted. So I I could honestly see them both eating and, and Marvin Jones being the one left out. Yeah, that's fair. I I mean, in an ideal world, yeah, I think both of these two guys eat and Marvin Jones is kind of a more supporting cast. But my only real worry with Visca at least was that they seem to want to use Travis Etienne with a lot of short area targets, mm-hmm. which is how I envision them using Visca. But they've talked about Visca being out wide and, you know, a yep. prototypical number one type. And Visca has that profile like we talked about. So that's, you know, hopefully that's the case. But with with his backfield, I guess you know, I think you and I both have been pretty high on James Robinson. And I think he's fallen, he's going as RB 29 in dynasty on on DLF. And I mean, there's been reports that he's going to be the early down guy. He's going to be the thumper. He's going to be the goal line guy. I mean, urban Myers talked about Travis Etienne. He, he straight up said Travis Etienne's listed as a running back, but I'm not so sure about that. I mean, he, he wants to use him as a wide receiver. So what do you make of this backfield? To me, they're both RB twos. Neither of yeah. them, they, they might have, they have weekly RB1 upside where one of them can finish in the top 12, 
But at the end of the year, I think we're looking at them, you know, one of them is ranked 20 and the others ranked like 21 or 22. I think they're going to be very close. Yeah, I agree with that. I, th- I mean, you can say like ETN, you know, maybe you favor him in PPR because yep. he's going to get more targets. James but Robinson, then you can say standard. Yep. Robinson, you know, is probably going to get most of the goal line work and, and that. So I think I prefer Robinson just because I usually prefer the, the goal line types and ETN's role is just still a huge question mark. Um, just what they're going to do with him and if they're going to, you know, hopefully they don't ruin him or anything, but it, it makes me a little nervous for him. But um, I just think Robinson is a bit of a value. And I think ETN going as RB 18 is a little too early for me. I uh, probably won't be getting any shares of him at that cost. Yep. Agreed. Um, talk, I, I got, I got a little something on it, a tight end maybe. Okay. So I don't think there's going to be any relevant Jacksonville tight end. Uh, strictly the tight end position and I'm really not trying to stir the pot or make something up but I think I know what you're gonna say but maybe you guys have noticed I picked up Colin Johnson a little bit so there was a blurb at the beginning of the year when Urban Meyer first got hired and they poked around with the idea of moving Colin Johnson to tight end and he's like he has the height but he's not big enough he can't block so we poked around with it you know we're probably not gonna do that but they don't also don't have a tight end and Je- Urban Myers, you know, your, his standard X receiver, big physical is Colin Johnson. Like that is his, that is your prototypical Urban Meyer guy. So it's a very, very small chance, but there is a world where Shark leaves next year and Colin Johnson actually becomes a starting wide receiver for the Jags as the X because Urban Meyer does like him. He talks very highly of him. So I wonder if this year we see a lot of four wide receiver sets and as opposed to seeing a tight end on the field to catch passes, if Colin Johnson just plays that like big slot role. I knew you couldn't, I knew you couldn't get through this without talking about Colin Johnson. But but here's the thing. We're going to know by the end of training camp on Colin Johnson. Like, I don't feel like we're going to get into like week six and we're going to be like, Ooh, I don't know. Like, we're going to see reports. We're going to see it in the preseason, how they're running their offense. Like we're going to know before week one, if Colin Johnson's going to be involved or not. So for yeah. now, if you have an extra bench stop or bench spot, he's not a bad, just four week stash. Yeah. I, I like Colin Johnson. I don't hate that. I also was thinking this would be a, an interesting team for Zach Ertz. You know, everybody wanted to connect awesome. him with the Colts, yep. but that'd be a fun one if, if that ever came to fruition, but and uh, let's go ahead and move on to the Titans on. unless um, I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it. Well, hold on. I'm just excited. I'm going to give you the chance. Yeah, go ahead. No. You don't want me to talk about Tim Tebow. No, Tim Tebow's a scrub. Nope. I think they're going to give him every, from everything I've heard, they're going to give him every opportunity to be the starting tight end. Oh, I feel like that should be noteworthy. I don't think he'll be valuable. And I don't actually think he'll be any good, but I think that they brought him in to actually genuinely give every opportunity to be the starting tight end this would have been so exciting i just got a text i just got a text from urban meyer he's inviting me to try out for the starting tight end spot yeah i saw that then but i mean so you look we all know tim tebow's a good athlete is he a good enough athlete to be an nfl tight end probably not but like you have to bring him up. Like it's, it's 2021. And we're talking about Tim Tebow and fantasy football as a tight end, but you have to bring him up just in case, because there's nobody on this earth who knows better than Tim Tebow. Sam's talking about Tim Tebow and Matt's making clown noises. This has officially gone off the rails. I'm not even trying. I'm not even trying to say pick him up. But you're wait, so you, I'm getting clown noise. Tied in one better than Kelsey. I was talking. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What is, I'm getting clown noise over being told that it's potential that the guy who assigned to play tight end is more likely to be tight end than their fourth string wide receiver who's really tall but doesn't fit the profile. They don't have a tight end. That's what I'm, I'm saying. If Tim Tebow's any good, they have a tight end. Will he be any good for fantasy? Probably not, but he's probably still a better tight end than Colin Johnson. I didn't say Colin Johnson was the tight end. You tried to bring it up like, oh, yeah, just in case he does. 
I said they might use him as the big slot where you would typically feature a tight end because they don't have a tight end. That's what they have LaVisca for. Okay. Marvin Jones is an outside wide receiver. TJ Shark is an outside wide receiver. Visca is an outside wide receiver. Visca also has the tools to be an elite slot wide receiver in this this National Football League. Well, regardless, I think it's interesting because they've been talking about Visca as a big bodied outside guy. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this offense is run the first few weeks because we don't really know exactly how they're going to use ETN and these receivers. I, I, mean, I mean, I just think there's too many bodies for everybody to be relevant. I think ETN, Robinson, Chark, LaVisca, Jones are all the guys that will have any value, and I think they'll probably be annoying. Like, I don't think there's anybody on that team I think is like other than LaVisca who's like, yeah, that guy could be a star. All right, we, we should probably move on, but I want to give Andrew a, a yeah. chance to. Yeah, a 15-second spiel on that uh, running back situation. Remember, we don't often see first-round running backs by the end of the season still be backups. So while James Robinson is most likely in a time share, and I agree with Matt, they're both probably going to be back in RB2s. I think they're going to give ETN every shot to eventually take it by the end of the year. I will say my one counter to that and the wide receivers in general is that Urban doesn't come across as a depth chart guy. He's just going to play the best players, which is kind of what you want. So That's exactly it. But I also think he's a Tim Tebow homer. I mean, for God's sakes, he created the monster. All right, let's let's talk about the Titans with this brand new information that we got about Julio Jones. I'm going to hand it off to Andrew and Sam to talk about the Titans. All right. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and start off with probably the most well-known one outside of the receivers, um, Derek Henry. So I was looking and I was kind of, I've kind of been hesitant on him most of 2021, just going into a season because we know we hear the things he's one dimensional. The dude's getting older. Um, he had so many rushes last year, I believe what 370, and most guys see a big drop in production right after that. But I was looking pretty much at the guys he was playing in his division. So against the Jaguars, against the Texans, against the Colts. Um, That's six games last year he played. 51%, clearly 51% of all his fantasy points scored last year was in those six games. I double-checked the first 11 weeks of the season, so when everybody's still playing your regular season matchups, teams five times. So for an early season guy going forward, I think Derrick Henry might be the guy that you want to target, get him, let him play off those productions, and then sell high going into week ele- uh, right after week 11. So for most of y'all, I believe y'all are probably the same. Week 11, week 12 is right there. It's around your um, dynasty trade deadlines as well. I think he could be an easy sell high because right afterwards, uh, after week 14, which is your last week of buys, he faces Pittsburgh, San Francisco, and Miami for the playoffs, uh, champion well, fantasy playoffs anyway. And I think th- people are going to overvalue what he does in those five games against his division opponents and they're going to be able to take advantage of that early. Um, so I guess Derrick Henry to me is pretty simple. If you're trying to win a championship this year, you go get Derrick Henry. Um, you start Derrick Henry every week um, and you take your – What's this floor? Like fifteen hundred rushing yards? Yeah, uh, yeah. I would probably say twelve hundred to fifteen hundred, assuming healthy all season. Yeah. Okay. So, like, you take your like at worst case fifteen hundred and ten, and you start him at your running back slot every week. Um, but if you're not trying to win a championship this year, you should absolutely be trading him. Um, I mean, he's 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 on that cliffhanger. I mean, you know, he could be different, you know, being his size and everything. And But you, you, Father Time's undefeated. Um, and some of these top backs, this is probably their last year. Um, well, you, being so elite, they'll probably, you know, have a step down and decline over time is what you hope. But um, – and then for running – or redraft um, with Derrick Henry, I mean, you, you can take him in the first round if you want. Um, I like a little bit more receptions, but if you take him in the second round, I'm not going to ever – I'll have nothing bad to say. Um, I mean, he's pretty simple to me. I mean, he really is. If he's there, you start him. 
If he's not, you don't start another Titans running back because they don't have anybody good. And you win a championship if you got him. And if you don't, sell him. I mean, that's how I look at it. Um, and I want to talk about Ryan Tannehill now. Um, and Andrew, what's your opinion on Tannehill, like the player? Overall, as a player, I think he's a little bit more than what he was for Miami. Miami, I felt like they were just trying to make him too much of a game manager. Uh, don't overdo things in that conference. Whereas the Titans have learned, man, you set this guy up in play action. He's very accurate. He's really pretty good. He's impressed me over the past two years or so. Yeah. I mean, I do think Derrick Henry obviously plays into that some. But, oh, huge. Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. But, like, he, they're using his strengths, you know, and they're obviously, you know, having Derrick Henry. But Ryan Tano is also very mobile. I mean, like, he's – I feel comfortable saying he'll finish as a QB one this year. If not, I mean, he'll, he would have had a little bit of a decline or I mean, his floor is like, if he plays all, all 17 games, it's like QB 15. Like um, he's going to probably throw 30, 35 touchdowns, get you a couple hundred on the ground and a bunch of rushing touchdowns that read option with him and Derek Henry, the gold line's pretty unstoppable. And they know it um, mainly because I mean, you know, every time you have Derek Henry and you, pretend to give him the ball, everybody's going to go after him. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, but, I mean, I I think he's a safe QB1. Um, I'm all about him. Um, I don't know what his ADP is, but I'm sure it's reasonable. He's always underrated. Yeah, I was going to say, like, for me, I had him right there around QB13, 15, but he has that QB1 upside, especially if you get Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, and Julio Jones for the whole season. If you get all three of those with him, I think his efficiency stays high and he's going to be able to help surprise people who have to plug him in as their super flex QB2. And he's going to end up being a better option for him overall long term on this season. How uh, long do you think the Titans run with him until they like start to make plans? I mean, like I know I mean, he just signed a contract, but. They just signed the contract, plus they just made it back into the playoffs last year, didn't they not? Now yeah, they lost playoffs. They beat up somebody and then got beat. I remember it was a whole, like, their revenge game or whatever with the meeting on the field. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I think they're going to go with him for a little bit as long as the team just doesn't drop off the face of the earth this season when it comes to that offense. I don't see any reason why not to. Dude's still young enough to play quarterback, especially in this day and age, the way the game is set up to protect them. He hasn't had any issues since that one injury, big injury back in Miami. So, I mean, I think you've got everything you need for a couple, two, three-year window, and that's what I always play Dynasty in is that two, three-year window. I would have no issues running Ryan Tannehill as my QB, too. So he finished his QB8 last year, and now he gets Julio Jones. Like, am I crazy to think there's a world where he potentially finishes top three? Top three is a little high for me, but I mean, yeah, there's definitely a chance he could exceed it. The counter normally for that has been Arthur Smith. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, like, leaving. yeah, just you know, I mean, like he's he's got the weapons. I mean, like, imagine like lining up, knowing you got to face Derrick Henry and AJ Brown, and then and imagine lining up, and now you got to <laughs> face Derrick Henry, AJ Brown, and oh fuck, there's Julio Jones on the other side. Um, how do you defend that? I mean, like, really, like, do you double both and let him run wild, or do you? I don't think there is a good option, because if you try and double both the main receivers, that's going to leave the box slider for Derrick Henry. But, and if you bring a guy in, one of those two is going to eat. Well, what happened, I guess there's a possibility Julio's not there with these charges that are coming out, though. I mean, we literally yeah, I guess that's something we do need to discuss real quick well, about that. I don't know what there is to discuss. I mean, we, there's some allegations. If he's guilty, he probably goes to jail. Um, for a little bit, that probably ends in his NFL career. I mean, he'll probably buy him off or some shit, but yeah. So, I was gonna think, like, do we see the NFL stepping in trying to add a suspension to him for this overall shortly? Well, see, I guess it's more interesting because it's like strictly a marijuana company, like, he was invested in them or something, and they're like trying to be lax on the marijuana but they don't want to, like, I feel like this will be peak their interest, but then it's like, do you poke around with one of your biggest stars? Or do you kind of, like, hope it slides under the rug? 
Yeah, it's a very difficult I situation. Think very, I think Roger Goodell's in a very interesting spot with this, if it's real and it turns into something and so on. But it's something definitely to monitor because uh, Julio Jones, I've got him right here going right around uh, pick 93 overall. So, I mean, people are investing in early digit. Well, not early digit, but between round six and nine, mostly on this guy, closer, well, closer to round nine, but that's – that's definitely going to be a factor because if they lose Julio, I'm very worried about what this offense might become because the next receiver I can look up is Josh Reynolds or um, Ned Fitzpatrick. Oh, yeah. Okay. I didn't really think he was very good. but um, Yeah. So that's not great options to fall back to. Feels like there's, I feel like there's a lot riding on Julio's shoulders, even though he's never played a game there because, like, it's him, AJ, and nobody. Well, I mean, that's the issue. That's what they said last year going into the playoffs. If they can shut down Derrick Henry and then focus all their attention just to that one receiver, A.J. Brown, they believe – defenses believe they could shut them down. So, well, the whole purpose of bringing Julio was to open the field back up. It, is there any interest in Darius and Evans in a PPR I mean, like, I assume no, but, I mean, like, you've got to talk about him. He's the third-round pick last year, and he's on the team, and he's the only other running back there. I mean, like, he, he's not – I don't think he's very good in between the tackles, but I think if you get him the ball, you know, like, out in the field. Yeah, he looks like more your outside zone type of guy. Uh, overall, I'm about to say, I think I took him in my dynasty league. I just had going this week right around, gosh, round 28 or so, round 26. So, I mean, he's a super cheap flyer. As you said, uh, Father Time's not undefe- – well, Father Time is undefeated. So, if Derrick Henry gets out a couple games, I mean, he could be in a prime situation, get most of that volume that you want. So, he's someone to monitor. The only other running back I saw worth mentioning was Brian Heal. But I'll definitely take Evans over Heal in, in this situation. Okay, Chad, what do you got? I, I see Chad's, Chad's burning here, so I want to <laughs> – well, I just – I really wanted to jump in on the Ryan Tannehill thing when you talked about where he was going. I think – I heard this from Tag Mike Taglier a little while back, and it's just really stuck with me. Since he took over in week seven of 2019, only oh, Josh know. Allen and Lamar Jackson have scored more fantasy points. The dude has been absolutely elite and does not get the credit for it. And we're at the point where he sustained that success. I know Arthur Smith is gone. That will be interesting to see, but – he sustained this success for long enough now where I think we got to consider him as a QB one, uh, like a mid QB one. I I think there's a realm of possibility where he's like, a, he's literally a QB one in dynasty. He'll never get drafted as such. I mean, right. even if he comes out this year is the QB one, he'll never get drafted as much because, you know, Julio's a year older, Derrick Henry's a year older, you know, it's unsustainable sell 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 and they're probably right statistically speaking but like yeah like some people will always be robert wood values yeah exactly last month he was going as qb 19 this month qb 15 i just think it's an incredible value and he's somebody i just want to point out a super flex league i'm in startup two years ago i faded quarterback i ended up snagging ryan Tannehill. i've won back-to-back years He's a guy, I just, man, his value just exceeds, or what he actually brings just exceeds the value that he's, that's placed upon him. So, you know how, like, everybody, every individual fantasy player ever has just certain players, for whatever reason, they just don't like to own? I feel like Ryan Tannehill has that group from early on in his career, whether he burned them, and, like, now they're too afraid to try the second act. Yeah, that's fair. I also, I actually liked Tannehill coming out as a prospect, so I've kind of always been forgiving of him personally, but Matt, you, you have something to add here. I know you've been, you've been ready to go there for a minute. What do you, what yeah, do you add? So I'm a little nervous about Derrick Henry this year. Okay. And it's not so much as because of the workload, but I look at this defense, right? And this has been one of the NFL's worst defenses by far over the past two to three years, okay? And last year, it got even worse. There are a ton of question marks this year. They let Malcolm Butler go. They let Adoree Jackson go. I forget the safety's name, but they left what they're one of their starting safeties go. So they have all they have left is Kevin Byard, who they paid a lot. 
uh, they drafted Caleb Farley, who was opted out last year. And before that, he had back surgery. And last year, in the year he didn't play, he had a second back surgery. Now, if Caleb Farley is healthy and he hits, I mean, he's arguably the best corner in the draft last year. So that's huge if he can hit. But it's a massive, massive question marks. Then they got their guy from, oh, what was it, two years ago, uh, Kyler Kendall Fulton, something like that, DB out of Virginia Tech. Like, he didn't get to play as a first-round pick because he just wasn't good, but he's starting this year. So there is a scenario where the Titans are down often and they're forced to throw to catch up. And we know that Derrick Henry's strong suit is running and not necessarily catching the ball. He doesn't see a lot of targets. So I am nervous for the workload and the fact that the Titans might be throwing a lot, which, you know, in turn is good for Tannehill and the wide receivers and stuff. Can I want to kind of add something to that? I don't know why, but last year I watched like a lot of Titans games. And, then, and the Titans always seem to go down early. And then, like, I mean, like, all, every game it always felt like they were down, like, 14 nothing. And then all of a sudden, like, that offense starts getting going. And they're so efficient. That offense and the way it runs with Derrick Henry and the way the play action and everything is just so efficient. They eat up chunks at a time that I've seen them get back into games that they shouldn't be in because the defense is bad. And the defense – you hope is getting better because like some of those guys that let walk were, you know, not doing their job and they're struggling and they're probably more like Malcolm Butler is not Malcolm Butler of 2016 anymore. Um, he really struggled last year. So like they're hoping to get younger, play some new guys and get fresher. And that's the perfect kind of defense that can just glue together and get really good really quickly. Um, but we don't know that. And I'm projecting their defense, like Matt said, to be really bad but I'm not too worried about their defense because their defense was just as bad last year. And they were always in games because of how efficient Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry are. I like what you're saying. Counterpoint. They don't have Arthur Smith anymore. How efficient is that offense going to be without him? Because their offensive coordinator that they have now was the offensive coordinator was three or four years ago for the Raiders. And he had one of the worst passing offenses in the league in a very middle-of-the-pack running, uh, rushing offense. Now, granted, his skill set, his skill guys that he has here in Tennessee is much better than what he had then, but we've only seen him once, and the one time we saw him, it was very, very subpar. Well, see, and that's why, like, I'm really curious to see the Falcons and the Titans this year. I want to see if if it was Arthur Smith or if it's Derrick Henry – and Ryan Tannehill. And we're going to find out because if those yep. – like, I think it's Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill. And the way they play, they know as a team how to utilize them. So I think they'll stick pretty similar. I mean, I could be dead wrong. You know, they can come out week one and go four wide all the time. Um, <laughs> he'll, get, he'll lose his job really quickly. But um, – and, and I want to see the, the Falcons. I want to see if the Falcons look like the – Saints or the not the Saints if the Falcons look like the Titans because if the Falcons look like the Titans from a few years ago then Calvin Ridley might be in for a monster year yeah agree I just think my thing with the Titans is there's more questions than anything and there's too many questions for me to want to invest in those players that's I feel like personal I feel like they had the same questions last year though like oh can they really sustain it did he just get hot oh you know like last year coming in the narrative of like, oh, it was just like the hot sample, sell, sell, sell. And he comes out and it's like, I mean, they're humming again. So like, I think they've got a good thing going. And I think that whoever they brought up probably is like, here's the offense, drive the car. That's fair. Yeah, I'm with you, Sam. I I really enjoy this Titans offense, this Titans team. They're, one, so of my, they're so one of my favorite teams. I mean, yeah. you never know if you're going to get a 98-yard rushing touchdown or 75 yard just absolute bomb to AJ Brown. I mean exactly. Or if you're just gonna get some crazy bootleg where he rolls out and hits hits him like on a nose, like 15 yards downfield on the sideline. I mean, like there's so much fun. Or you even get a Tannehill like 60, 70 yards, you know, scramble out of nowhere yeah. for a touchdown. That happens too. Um, all right, that's gonna do it though for our AFC South. Uh, please, while you're here, rate review the podcast. Also, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what you thought of this new format. Um, 
I, I thought it went well, but let us know what, what you guys think. Remember, take advantage of the Patreon offer on August 1st. Get it, get the month for free. You don't want to miss out. It's the perfect time to sign up and you get it for free. So why not? Obviously, uh, you should do that. So set a reminder, go sign up on August 1st. And we'll be back next week to cover the NFC South on the Fantasy Scouts podcast, where we bring you inside info you won't get anywhere else. 